Ladies and gentlemen, welcome out to Peekappy Podcast. It's been a little while. One of the things I really love about this podcast, like, you know, I started it because I wanted to do it, and I like that, you know, I'm I'm the only host, so it's only my schedule I have to coordinate with, and I can do this for me. And if other things in my life are taking over or need more attention, I can put my attention there and not feel too bad about putting the podcast on hold. I mean, I do feel bad. Like, I always, I feel guilt over everything. But (laughs) it is one of the things that could take a second priority if, like, you know, feeding myself and keeping a roof over my head needed to take the top priority. But on the flip side, I also want to grow the podcast. And, like, you can't really do that if you keep taking breaks. So... It's a paradox, and the the more this podcast does expand, the more people start, like, depending on me to actually do things. So, we do our best, that's all we can do in life. But while I was off not recording and editing videos, uh, our sponsor, PokePress, was really busy, like, enough that I feel like an, an underachiever. But if you haven't dropped by their channel in a while, you might want to do that, because... There's a variety of very interesting videos up right now. Steven did, uh, if you're into, like, YouTubing and vlogging and the like, if you like to do unboxing videos or other such things, Steven just put out a very interesting video um, about some of the problems he's run across um, in uploading his music unboxing videos and viewer retention and, and, you know, making sure you get viewers who actually want to see the video that you put up instead of, you know, viewers who just thought they were getting something different, only watch for a few seconds and then click on something else. Like if YouTube is one of the platforms you use for a project, then this might be a very interesting video to check out to get some some other insight and perspective onto common pitfalls and how to avoid them. He also managed to talk to Veronica Taylor and Eric Stewart, and I know the Veronica Taylor video is up now. And for those of you not in the know, uh, she voiced Ash Ketchum uh, from seasons one through eight, and Stephen was able to ask her some questions about that. He was able to chat with her a bit, talk about voice acting and traveling with her daughter and to all these conventions. And one thing I didn't realize, I don't know how I didn't get up on this, she's in Sailor Moon, she's Sailor Pluto. So that's something to check out. You can find more such videos and interviews, uh, coverage of OhanaCon, and all sorts of other very interesting YouTube videos over on YouTube at PokePress or at pokepress.blogspot.com. But as for uh, this podcast, 
For those of you just joining us, this is a Pokemon anime podcast. We focus on the anime and the episodes and what's going on with them and uh, how are our characters developing into good people. (laughs) How the story and the characters evolve over time. And this is one episode that deals specifically with a character evolution. Today we're looking at Advanced Generation number 11, A Bite to Remember. So the kids, they've woken up and they're going through their morning routines and May and Max are out Pokemon watching. And it's not hard. There are Pokemon everywhere, all over the place. So the two of them are pretty happy, especially Max. Like, when it comes to Pokemon, this kid is basically a younger version of Ash. Resembles him in absolutely no other respect, but when it comes to love of Pokemon, yes. Um, But May and Max, they go back to camp and they're gushing about the Pokemon they saw. And Brock and Ash agree this forest is full of Pokemon. Even from their campsite, they can see Pokemon hanging in the trees and the bushes everywhere you look. And Ash says there's something strange about that. Hmm. Anyway, they go through their day and Max is still over the moon. He keeps getting too close and scaring off the Pokemon, though. Even so, it's a good day for him. Like, the Pokemon in the wild are so much bigger than he expected, and certainly bigger than pictures in books or a Pokedex. And he spouts off facts about Pokemon and their sizes and just rattles off that info like the little nerd he is. Like, maybe he's not a younger Ash. Maybe he's a younger Gary. It is a crying shame that Gary and Max never got to meet, because I think... I th- On the one hand, they might very well annoy each other in the way that sometimes when you get two nerdy people together, like, they don't always necessarily get along. Sometimes they just, like, their nerddom doesn't mesh and they just kind of rage at each other. I can see Gary and Max, like, depending on the circumstances, either walking away being like, that kid is annoying, or becoming the best of friends, depending on the circumstance. Um, But all these facts about Pokemon mean nothing. Seeing them is different. When you're up close, Max says, you can feel them. They're really alive. And this is something Ash totally relates to. Like, that all the reading and studying isn't nearly as cool as seeing a Pokemon in person and making friends and winning battles together. Or losing battles together, as Brock points out. Like, ooh, Brock, that's that's a burn. But anyway, at that moment, uh, the three there are three angry Mightyena descending on the kids. They're huge dog Pokemon, and the Pokedex says they know bite. Um, so that experience of making friends doesn't look too optimistic here. And running away, despite Ash's suggestion, is not an option. Brock's like, no, Ash, what do I keep you around for? And Ash is like, fine, Pikachu, we're having a Pokemon battle. Brock also calls out Fortress, May calls out Torchic. The poor drumstick does not know what it's getting itself into. Um, And Pikachu takes a blow from a Mightyena, and then this acrobatic gray streak jumps into the battle. A Poochyena, and it's basically their answer to the Flash. It just zooms all over the place and tackling Pokemon before they even know it hit it. Um, But once all the good guys have taken some bruises, another human shows up with answers. She's a ranger here, and this forest is a Pokemon preserve. Another case of people thinking the kids are poachers when they're just cutting through. That happens a lot. Like, are there never any signs? 
Like, we finally got concrete proof in Season Da that Ash can, in fact, read books for fun. There, There's no excuse. But yeah, the kids are just cutting through the forest on their way to Rustboro City, and, and the ranger believes them. The ranger's name is Katrina. Brock calls her Potential. I'm I'm starting to get interested in how the girls react to Brock. Like, who's really creeped out? Who's not entirely ruling out the possibility? And who's just kind of confused or oblivious? Katrina's creeped out, definitely. Uh, but luckily, she's got the loyalty of all those Mightyena and the Poochyena. They launch themselves at Brock to defend their human. Um, but we cut to Team Rocket, who's walking through the forest, and they see a Murkrow and an Apom, and a Hootoot, and a Furret, and a Spinarak, like all these Pokemon everywhere. And those signs I was talking about earlier, Wobbuffet finds one, and he could read it, so I don't know what Ash's problem is. Like, I, I love this kid. He's, like, totally the type of kid to respect boundaries when he comes across them, and also totally not the type of kid to use forethought and consider... Hey guys, I don't see a sign, but maybe this might be a boundary. Should we ask somebody? <laughs> like, but anyway, the sign says no trespassing, and this is a Pokemon preserve, which is why there's so many Pokemon. It's why Ash got tipped off there was something strange earlier. This isn't a regular forest. And to Team Rocket, the words Pokemon preserve mean buffet of thievery. They set up plans to steal stuff. Um, and Ash and company get a tour of the preserve and the ranger's lodge, um, which also does a lot of work with the rehabilitation of injured Pokemon. And there's a lot of different kinds at the cabin where Katrina does a lot of her work. Um, sometimes they get hurt by poachers. Uh, Katrina mentioned she's been having problems with that. But sometimes they just get lost in the woods and hurt. Um, and Katrina and her flock of Mightyena and little Poochyena try to deal with both issues. Brock tries to pretend he's a doctor to impress Katrina, and since he's a couple of years too early for that, Poochyena jumps in to attack Brock. It can smell lies. Uh, but after this, we learn that this Poochyena was actually born the same time as all the Mightyena. So why hasn't it evolved like its friends? Does it not have enough experience? Which in anime verse might not necessarily be in terms of strength. Katrina thinks the habit of using tackle on everything instead of bite has kept Poochyena out of a lot of battles, but she's not especially worried. Like, all Pokemon evolve at their own pace, and Poochyena will too when it's ready. Or it may never evolve at all. For Max, however, something in his world is out of order, and he must fix it. After all, he says... Everyone knows that when a Pokemon evolves, it gets stronger, more powerful, more confident, better. Don't you want that Poochyena running over hill and dale with all the other Mightyena? And yeah, evolving is great, and the more Max talks about it, the more May pictures her Torchic evolved. Except, she's clearly never cracked open her Pokedex to see what that might look like, so yeah, her imagination does her no favors. The real evolved form of Torchic is combustion, and when May actually Googles it, she's much more on board with that. And Max wants to see a Pokemon evolve, so he's like, Come on, sis, there must be something we can do to make these Pokemon evolve. And up to this point, Ash has been quietly sitting by, but now he's like, Okay, I gotta say something. <laughs> and he tells May and Max that you can't just make Pokemon evolve because you want them to. 
both in that it's not possible and also unethical. But evolving takes time and patience, building up experiences with trainers and Pokemon. Max hates waiting. He's a kid. Even if Brock and Ash try to convince him that it wouldn't be any fun if evolving were easy and could happen instantly, it wouldn't mean anything. And how Ash talks about experience, like, it just enhances the anime logic behind that, like, all the wins and the losses are part of the experience. Traveling together with a trainer, like, it's not a hard and fast numerical system based on winning battles. Like, there are other factors, too, which the anime has proven. And then he turns to Pikachu and says, that's what's so cool about evolution, right, Pikachu? And that is a loaded sentence if I ever heard one, but Pikachu agrees. And I like the implication that Pikachu is still taking part in the evolution process, even if he doesn't actually evolve into Raichu, because he's gaining the experience, he's growing with Ash. The transformation is all internal, not external. It's not something that Pikachu and Ash are depriving themselves of by deciding not to evolve. They've just learned there's more than one way to look at evolving. Like, whatever else happens in this episode, like, that there was important. Um, but anyway, this does segue into May and Max asking, So, you've been on this journey a while, Ash, with Pikachu. Why hasn't it evolved yet? And, like, if it hasn't evolved, there's no hope for May's Torchic. <laughs> uh, so Ash and Pikachu get to explain the differences between evolution over time and evolutions involving items. A lecture that Brock happily takes over, like, I have been preparing a slideshow for this exact moment. He even does a Professor Oak-style segment with, like, a lab coat and a, a Pokemon poem or an essay, like... His portrayal needs some work, but he, he's got to get his fanboy out somewhere. Anyway, this is all interesting and informative, and just makes Max want to see an evolution more. Uh, so he begs the team to stay at the lodge until Poochiana evolves. Because, you know, waiting around for Mace Torchic could take forever. Brock seconds the idea because Katrina, uh, who I'm sure now fully regrets offering up rooms for the kids, um, and meanwhile, Ash is off in the corner like, but I have a gym battle. <laughs> but Ash is outvoted, so Max begins his special training regime for Poochiana, trying to get it to use bite instead of tackle. Um, they fight against Torchic, and this goes wrong because neither Pokemon are really listening to Max, but the kid tries. And tries to make the opposing Pokemon lose on purpose, so that Poochiana gains more experience winning. And May warns Ash about this before Max can get his hands on his Pokemon. Um, and Ash turns into, like, a total parent. Like, Max, is that what you've been doing? Like, like I love what this kid is pulling out of Ash's character. This is so great. Um, but Ash explains that as much as evolution means to Max, if he fakes all the battles and, like, forces Torchic or Trico or whoever to lose... The evolution won't mean anything to Poochiana. Like, even if it manages to evolve, it won't feel like it's really grown or changed. All that internal change that Ash and Pikachu were kind of alluding to won't have occurred. The change will have been purely on the outside. And Max 
kind of gets it, but he's still bummed out. He's watching Poochyena train by itself against its mighty Anna friends, and, and that's not enough. Max wants to see the real deal, the, the henshin part of the evolution. And so Ash and Pikachu come outside to get personal. They explain that not every Pokemon even wants to evolve. Like, for example, Pikachu. But Max isn't in the mood to listen. He's just like, yeah, yeah, you don't want me to cheat, and runs off for more special training. Uh, but while he does that, Katrina has found pieces of a net in the Pokemon Preserve, and that means poachers. Team Rocket, as it turns out. And who else is in the forest? Max and Poochiana. So this is too good for Team Rocket to pass up. Like, yeah, they've netted a few Pokemon already, but they've got room for one more. They see Max out there playing practice trainer, and they whip up a trap. So Max is wandering the woods, and he sees a giant boxy machine, and he's like, uh, walk away. Like, yes, someone learned something from all these Team Rocket swindles. Max, I'm so proud of you. Even if it only lasts ten seconds. Like, then Team Rocket speaks. And they pretend to be scientists, and Max has stumbled across their secret laboratory. Can Max be trusted to keep all their evolution research a secret? No. No, he cannot. Uh, but anyway, the Meowth is out of the bag, right? So the scientists show Max this machine that they've developed that evolves Pokemon right before his eyes. They drop in a Meowth, pull a lever, and it comes out of Persian. And of course, uh, that Persian is just Meowth in cosplay, but it fools Max for the moment. The next stage, evolving Persian into Sunflora, that's a little harder for Max to swallow. He's like, no, that's not possible. And uh, how long has Meowth and the gang been hanging on to that Sunflora costume? It's gotten so much mileage in this series. They use it more than any other disguise, I think. Um, but they keep on going, like Sunflora evolves into Meryl, and then into Apom, to Murkrow. Max isn't sure what to think of this, but Meowth keeps changing costumes, and sooner or later he gets scrambled and has a bit of an identity crisis. A Persian Meowth-Sunflora hybrid with Pikachu ears. This is what happens when you press B too late, kids. Uh, but Max has had enough, like that only proves it's somehow rigged. So he's not going to hand over Poochiena to enter the machine. Uh, but Max is small and spindly, and he's let his guard down. It's not hard to just take things from him. Team Rocket grabs Poochiena, shoves it into the machine, which turns out to really be a cage, and flees. All they had to do was, like, hold Max down with, like, half their effort. They might have gotten away with this plan had they just fled, but then Ash and Katrina and friends and all the mighty Anna come running up looking for poachers and, and of course, Max. And once Pikachu appears on the scene, Team Rocket can't just go. They've got to do this. So the motto begins. They grab Pikachu with one of their extending go-go gadget arms and they fly away into the sky. And obviously Ash and everyone gives chase. Ash's Talo come out and peck everybody in the balloon, so Team Rocket loses some height while they deal with that, and as the balloon drifts closer to Earth, Max begs Poochiana to remember what they worked on. Bite attack. To tear through the net it's currently trapped in, uh, but Poochiana doesn't want to. 
Like maybe it's afraid of falling or or just afraid of trying new things, worried it'll fail. I don't know. But on the other hand, it also wants to save all the Pokemon. So with some encouragement from Max, it does try out that bite attack. And the heroic opening theme plays. It tears through the net. Everyone is freed. And Talos succeeds in rescuing Pikachu, who's like, oh, please, can I help with today's blasting off? Things end quickly after that. (laughs) And just as Max realizes that Poochiana is a great Pokemon, whether it ever evolves or not, Poochiana evolves. So Max does get to witness a Pokemon evolution after all, with Poochiana becoming a Mightyena. And it's suggested that Max might have been the little extra push uh, to get the Pokemon where it needed to be for an evolution. But I'm happier that Max realized Poochiana was plenty heroic and useful the way it was pre-evolution. I I think it would have taught Max a good lesson if they finished the episode and Poochiana hadn't evolved at all. Uh, But I guess Ash and Pikachu are fulfilling that lesson for us in the show, so I I can see why maybe it didn't happen. We're kind of still in that slew of episodes that are like, reboot. And this happens to some degree with every generation, because they've got to explain the new constructs if, if, you know, new things have come up in the games. But every couple of generations, the reboot feeling gets a little stronger. Like, we've talked about it often. The turnaround of the audience on this show is quite high, like... They they expect the audience to age out every couple of years. Like, the show does retain some fans, like, forever, like myself and a lot of you people listening. But on the general whole, the people who began watching an Indigo League are not watching now. So they've kind of got to reestablish what evolution is, what berries are, what Pokemon centers do, Joy and Jenny, all these things. Um... And it'll happen a little bit again in Diamond and Pearl, especially as we introduce um, items or ideas that are more particular to that generation. But it'll happen in a hard way in Best Wishes, kind of like it's happening in Hoenn now, where the show will be like, we may have viewers who were not born in Hoenn, let alone Kanto. We have to explain how this world works again. And on the one hand, it's kind of cool to see, especially in Hoenn, where it's basically they did it for the first time. But it also can get a little bit weird, because I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of obvious. Like, the first three or four or five episodes of Hoenn region were a bit more subtle about it. Now we're kind of definitely into, like, this is the episode about evolution. This is the episode about how gym battles work. This is the episode about berries. Like, it's got a bit of a heavier hand to it. And I don't know that it's necessarily a huge flaw, because, like I said, there is some subtlety going on with Ash and Pikachu that I really appreciate, because it's the evolution episode, and we still don't really talk about, like, Pikachu's huge dilemma in life. Like, we don't flash back to it or anything. Like, in fact, Ash doesn't even really go into that much detail on the fact that Pikachu doesn't want to evolve. I think, I think it's just one or two words. Like, I almost thought he was going to make it through the whole episode and not even mention the fact that Pikachu doesn't want to evolve, which is a small thing, but a very interesting choice, I think. So I do think 
it could be improved. Like, I would like to see us not have that heavy-handedness of, like, this is the blank episode where we teach the audience about blah blah But I do like that despite that structure, we are getting opportunities for character moments within that. It just kind of reminds me of, like, I watched Yu-Gi-Oh! a lot uh, through my high school and college years. Read the manga, too. Like, I, I just... I have a love for that show, despite the fact that that show is is not actually that good. Maybe some of its newer incarnations are a bit better. I've I've kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit, but like Yu-Gi-Oh occupied a special place in my heart that it did not necessarily earn through superior craftsmanship. Um, but growing up, uh, a friend of our family he worked in um, entertainment and media. And did a lot with, like, movie reviews and critics and things like that. And he, like, when the Yu-Gi-Oh! movie came out, he was, like, really very much against it. Like, part of it was, like, he just did not care. Like, he also really didn't like Pokemon. <laughs> but, like, he was not the right audience for that the, those franchises at all. But he also felt a lot like the Yu-Gi-Oh! franchise, uh, particularly the movie spent so much time explaining what every card did and, like, calling their moves and all that kind of stuff that it felt like it was just a tutorial to play the game. And again, I would definitely argue that point because there is a certain convention in certain types of anime like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon and to some extent like Dragon Ball Z and stuff where that's a convention that happens a lot and we kind of let slide if it's done to an acceptable degree. Like, my friend and I are currently binge-watching Yu Yu Hakusho, and we're kind of, like, joking and laughing about it, because that was another anime made kind of during the same time period and following a similar sort of convention where you could almost very easily break it down into, like, D&D rules. Um, but everyone kind of has to call their attacks, basically. Um, and sometimes it gets a little weird, but... It's the type of show that if it's not done too clunky, you give it a pass. But with the Yu-Gi-Oh! show, a lot of times, and particularly a lot in that one movie, the script writing of how they call their attacks and explain what the cards do is not as deft as you would hope a lot of times. And it, it's kind of the same problem of why Ash so often checks the Pokédex is... For the type of show it is, you have to have somebody giving that info to the audience. You can't get around it. There is no way that you can expect the audience as a whole to memorize all the stats and all the information of all the Pokemon, or in, in Yu-Gi-Oh's case, all the all the data on those cards. Someone has to say it out loud. But if you can't find a creative way to do it, it does start to feel like the show only exists to explain the game mechanics. And Pokemon's kind of gotten around that a little bit. And with the new traveling companions, it, it's gotten a lot of help in that they can check the Pokédex. Um, and it makes a bit more sense for them. And often they can kind of have it embellish the scene. In some of the earlier episodes, they played around with Dexter being like super snarky to Ash. Like, you know, Pokemon has tried to make it not feel as weird as just given a straight-up explanation. But I would say there are definite moments where it gets a little odd, and and cycling it around to my friend's point on that Yu-Gi-Oh! movie, like, 
again, I don't think he was the target audience. Like, he was never going to appreciate anything in that film, I think. But he is a little bit correct in that, yeah, that was not executed particularly well with all the the new cards that had to be introduced and abilities people were less familiar with. And it's a movie, so you you might be getting a, a slightly different audience than your mainstream show anyway. There was a lot of explaining going on, and sometimes it doesn't hold up. And I think as we go through the Pokemon series and through every new generation where they've kind of got to re-explain all these things and... You know, someone's going to have to look up that Pokemon in the Pokedex, but we've seen it forever ago, but we still got to get the basic information out to the audience because, you know, some of them might have just been born recently. Like, (laughs) it's a really interesting script writing thing to learn from, I think. Watching how Pokemon handles those sorts of situations and when it does it well and when it maybe doesn't do it so well. The things that make it work and the things that make it feel awkward. For those people that are interested in working in television, like in a writer's room, or interested in long-form storytelling of any kind, I think that's a useful thing to pay attention to because as much as we'd like to believe we have, you know, fan bases who are going to be with us forever and they're going to be so nerdy and memorize everything, the fact is the real world just doesn't work that way. People are human. They need to have recaps from time to time. Like, I see this happening all the time in comics. I I read a lot of comic books. And whether they do a hard reboot and change a lot of things or kind of just a recap so that people remember that one time Crazy Quilt showed up and what he can do and all that, like, this is an issue that they face because, like... DC Comics has been running since the 40s. Marvel's been, what, the 60s, 70s? And then you got, like, Dark Horse and Image and other independents. Like, they've been running for decades, some of these characters and storylines and such. Like, at some point, you are going to have to stop assuming that your readership read everything and remembered everything. You're going to have to start feeding that info back or reestablishing some rules or whatever of the universe. So it might not necessarily be the most interesting thing to talk about, but I do think it's a fascinating thing to observe in this show as it goes along and as it moves through the early stages of the new generation and it's got to navigate all these things. And and especially useful um, to those trying to learn from other writers how that works in children's television versus how it maybe works in some older skewed media. What's the same? What's different? What works? What doesn't? All that. Like, Hoenn Region on so many levels is just a fascinating study of writing long-term storytelling. Not Not necessarily because it's brilliant, but just because of all the stuff it had to do that... Sooner or later, if your story runs long enough, you will have to navigate yourself. Um, But anyway, that'll take us to the end of the episode, number 11. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to comment on this episode or on anything else, you can visit us at peekappypodcast.blogspot.com. On the Facebook and the Twitter, I asked a question, what do you guys, if you guys could ask Ash Ketchum one question, what would it be? So far, we've only got one answer, 
But possibly the best answer, uh, Logan asked Ash, can I come on your journey? Yeah, if I could swing it, man, I would drop all these responsibilities and just go traveling with Ash. It would be the most exciting thing. I would probably die the first time summer rolled around. The The world tends to get thrown into crisis a lot at that time, but <laughs> gosh, what a way to go. And I think, Logan, Ash would love to have you come on his journey, right? Like, he's just all about friends getting together and traveling. If anyone else has any answers to that question, you can... Uh, leave it at the Facebook and the Twitters at Peacappy Podcast, um, or send an email to peacappypodcast at gmail.com. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes or Zoom or wherever you get your podcasts and the RSS feed delivered to you, your pod kickers and your podcatchers and all those things. Uh, but most of all, thank you for listening. This has been Peacappy Podcast. Gotta catch them all. <laughs>